Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Well, hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. This is Kate. This is Derek. And Jennifer. All right, so Derek, you just had week two of your sermon series. Yeah. Yeah, I got to tell you. So let's, real quickly, uh, I got to tell you, I thought the first week was awesome, the Jesus Plus. Incredible. I heard so many good things about that sermon, so well done. I think think God was, you kind of hit on the ethos. I think there are some people that are wrestling Mm -hmm. with this idea that, that being a Christian is, it's Jesus plus a whole bunch of other things in order yeah. to be a good Christian. So I think it. I think the spirit really moved. I think all that plus stuff turns people off to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was well timed and good for the audience. And you got a ton of laughs, which some, it's not always it bad. Was Sometimes funny. it's not always it was funny. No, thank you. Ghosts are scary. Yeah, <laughs> it was really funny. It was funny. Good so, job, and your back did well. Yeah, I didn't fall yeah. off the stage. Stood the whole so, time. Way to Praise go! I knew you could do it. Which I think we talked about this last week, but I think it's very real, and it, I think it comes up again is this idea that what turns people off from church the most is it Jesus? It's not or Jesus. Is it all it's the usually extra it's, stuff? All, it's, it's Jesus's people and all the extra stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then that's I think we can run into that trap of thinking, well, all I need is Jesus for salvation, yes, but for health, you need sure. all the other stuff is yeah. about health, not all of it. Yeah. I mean. Have you seen those T-shirts where it's like Jesus plus therapy keeps me healthy? <laughs> <laughs> Do they have like a coffee for some people? Yeah. Well, it's like Jesus and co- when people are like, "Why are you so peppy?" I was like, "Jesus and coffee." <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, awesome. This week, um, we talked about. So, tell us a little bit. Lean us into a little bit about this three the three approach series that you're doing, and you're recapping really everything that we've been talking about at Zion since January. I mean, that's. That was kind of the heart behind this is looking at all the things we talked about with the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, uh, the Lord's Prayer, and everything that's come from that. Uh, so you started off with Jesus. And you well, originally, what was the title of this series again? The well, Jesus Summary? The Jesus Summary, because I was just going to be a summary of what we've done in the past. And then it just kind of shifted as the sermon, uh, as we went through the read-through and just writing it. It, it took a different direction. Yeah. So. Yeah, but the main purpose of it is, one, to show the simplicity of Jesus, but also realize that the complexity is still there. So yeah. it's not, it doesn't go away. And today, like this week's sermon was complex, like it was heavy. But then what can we pull from that that is simple, that is easy? Uh, because, I mean, there are thousands and thousands of books written on the cross. So like Probably that, more than thousands. Probably more than that. And like yeah. half the, I mean, my argument in the sermon was, most of the New Testament is about the is about the cross, or yeah. there's elements of it at some point in the I book. think you do a really good job of, even though it is simple, doesn't mean that it's shallow. It still has depth. It's still a very deep idea, where it's like, maybe it's not, you don't make it complex, where it is complex, but it's easy to understand the depth of it. Well, and I think, you know, and I've heard this at every church I've ever been a part of, there's always those people where they'll complain the sermons aren't deep enough. And I think the reality is, is the sermon is as deep as you're willing to go. Yeah. Um, because for someone who's brand new, if you've never swum before and you're, you know, you're a kid, the shallow end is terrifying. And, and so. Unless, getting in unless the water you have someone to take you. Unless you have yeah. someone, that's right. Yeah. And, or and floaty. I think. Uh, <laughs> Give me some Jesus floaties. Some Jesus floaties. some lifesavers. So like, if you think about uh, Paul, okay. There's a lot of things that, that he wrestled with that we wrestle with still today. Yeah. And like, if you think about Paul, I think about. Man, this is one of the smartest dudes. Like his writings and stuff are so complex, and he's struggling with this stuff that we like to say is simple or like, yeah. oh, it's not heavy enough. No, it is. Yeah. And you have to take it to that level. Or you have to be willing to open up your mind to the question of what does it really mean if I believe this, if I see this, if I read this, or if that's if Jesus is asking this of me, what does it mean? Because it's probably heavier than what we yeah. first think it is. Yeah. It has I'm, layers, so that way if you are a first-time person, it's... You can... Yeah. You can understand that, but then if you want to go deeper, you can. Yeah. Well, and, and Jesus, I mean, you think about even when Jesus talked about the coming of the kingdom, he used simplistic stories, and yet people sure. couldn't get it. Yeah. And I think part of the... Of course, do you still not get it? Do you still yeah. not get it? One, and, and I think, you know, he says, you know, you don't have eyes to see and ears to yeah. hear. Yeah. And I think sometimes what happens is... Uh, especially in modern Christianity. And that's all I've known. I don't know. I only read about ancient Christianity. 
but it seems like we've been so, we're so used to thinking that the purpose of a sermon is to wow us or that somehow there's got to be, like there's two, there's two, maybe three sides. You know, that person who's never heard it and everything you say is like, oh my gosh, I've never heard this. I remember when I first became a Christian, every, every sermon, it didn't matter how shallow, how deep, every single one I was like. It was new. Yeah. It was new, right? And then as I got older, I'm like, well, I've heard that before. But that doesn't mean it's bad. And I, there was a time in my life where I think some arrogance kicked in where I thought, oh, if I heard it before, then they're just not pushing me further. Yeah. For an, then you can enough. just check out, too. Yeah. And the reality is just because you've... I say that a lot, don't I? The reality is. that's I have a friend who says literally all the time. Literally. <laughs> Do they literally mean <laughs> Literally. Literally. Um, but it's my responsibility to go to go deeper. Now, that doesn't mean that... I mean, if we're always hearing the same sermons over and over again, I think sometimes that can be dangerous. I have a, this is an issue that I still am plagued with, and I don't know if I've, I've mentioned it on here before. But one of many. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there is, there's this one that if I'm reading scripture and I, or I'm, I don't know, if I'm watching a video on YouTube or something and I'm like, and the content is really good, my first impression is, how can I give that to the youth program? Or how can mm. I turn that into a sermon? Yeah. Instead of asking myself, Derek, what's God saying what to you? What is this for you? Wow. What, and, I, and I do it all the time. And I have to, like, literally correct myself when I'm doing it. Like, no, is there a chance that this YouTube video you just watched for was you, for actually? you? Just for you. <laughs> or this verse you came across? Yeah. Are you sure that's not God speaking to you? And I understand you can flip it easily into the where you're only thinking about yourself and not yeah. about the world around you. But in my case, I do it the other way around. But yeah. It's, it's because I'm not willing to take it deeper. Deeper for yourself. So. The deeper is harder. Right? Like the more you let, I think we talked about this last week, the more you let Christ press into your life, the harder the stuff gets. Well, and, and sometimes. The more difficult it is to follow. Yeah. Well, yeah. and sometimes I, I've heard Christians say things, well, I don't need to get into the deep stuff. I mean, that's whatever. I just need faith in Jesus. And that's awesome. Like, that's wonderful for those people who can do that. But I meet more and more Christians because their faith never went to a deeper place. Their faith is sh- very shallow. And I mean, what I mean shallow, like surface level. Yeah. And the minute something difficult comes, Jesus is nowhere in the picture. Well, I think of like the par- like the parable of the the seeds. Yeah. Without deep roots, what happens? Yeah. Well, and and so we're talking we talk about the cross a lot and and even in sermon read through um man, we had <laughs> this conversation has come up one other time. We talked a lot about atonement. Yeah. Which is a, a big Christian, you know, it's a big theological word. Christianese. Very Christianese. Um we had called Derek a bumper car. Of theological topics. Yeah, because like in this sermon, Derek, you literally bumped you up bump, you, into like four or five different big d- theological. Very deep and heavy. But you didn't go very far with <laughs> yeah. them. You just kind of bumped and went, ha yeah. ha! Just gave us an appetizer of them. And, and, but I, I wonder, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Derek, and for the rest, because during Sermon Read Through, we had quite a bit of conversation around this. Even the understanding of what the role of the cross is. And you talked about this idea of the gap, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of bristled, not bristled, that's the too, too strong of a word. I had a little bit of a reaction. It was humorous inside of myself because when I was growing up, every time the gospel was explained to me, it was God's over on one side, you're on the other side. There's this deep canyon between you. And immediately when you said the gap and you went through it, I went through all the times that every time I heard the gospel, it was explained that way. But you actually took it a little bit different. And I loved the illustration of the dock and the boat. Or the, the dock and, yeah, the dock, yeah, and, the the dock and the boat. Yeah. The dock mm-hmm. and the boat. Um, say a little bit more, like when you're talking about this gap, that's this hole between us. And you actually talked about several different types of gaps. But let's talk about that gap of sin. Because when we get to the cross, we actually, we'd have to wrestle through, why do we need it? And so you talked about that gap. Can you share a little bit more? And, and that story was really funny. And I'll be honest, in my mind, when you were saying, you know, painfully you fall in the water. I'm like, but hilarious for everybody else. <laughs> Which is, sounds really mean, but as long as no one gets hurt, it's okay I to mean, laugh, honestly, right? though, that has some sin applications as well. Like how Me laughing often, at him falling in the water? Well, how often do we, do we, it's humorous when people fall yeah. in sin. Honestly, sometimes, sometimes. it's like, ha, 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 uh, I'm yeah. better than you. I'm over here on the dock, on the Even shore. Even Christianese term of like backsliding. Yeah. I was like, that's not anywhere outside of Christian culture yeah which i don't even know what like how do you back where it's like you go back to your no i know what it means i'm just trying to picture like where did it come from right somebody go down a slide backwards with oh he's backslidden like i don't that's such a weird term anyways so say more about the get derek's just looking at us like what are you talking about 
there a question in there? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so where the gap, so I wanted some terminology used throughout the sermon, but where it comes from is I don't care who you are, what level of faith you are, or how, how mature you are, or even how secure you are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it might be, at one point in your life, you felt that separation. You felt that distance. Uh, you may not even know what it is. You may not understand what that separation is, what that distance, what that gap is. Uh, but as I've grown more and more mature in my faith and understanding, I understand that it is it is the sin pulling me further and further away from God. And we always try to fill it with stuff. We always try to come up with ways of making that feeling of loneliness, that feeling of uh, whatever it might be, go away. And in reality, the answer, as you as you heard in the sermon, is Jesus. But I think we all feel that. And so yeah. when I use that analogy, one of, that's the reason I did it is because it it pulls so much emotion of like that's that's how we've all felt at some point where there does feel like there's a gap uh, and we want to fill it so badly. But in this particular situation, I was just I was just trying to show that you know with the dock is very very secure. It doesn't move. That's God. God didn't didn't do the moving, but when sin entered the world, we we started to pull away. We started to fill that distance between us and God with sin and other things, yeah. and to the point where you fall in, to the point where where you fall in and, and die. So death would be the the end result of that gap. So as you were talking about that 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 issue of maturity, one of the things that I didn't see coming through becoming a Christian, when I became a Christian, I understood that I was a sinner and I needed Jesus. But the more mature I became, the more, the greater the gap I realized I had in my life. And that was one of the things that I just never, I, I didn't picture happening. Because when I first got saved, and I still remember that, I was going into high school, I thought I would start sinning less. And then what ended up happening is I started realizing there were things that I didn't know were sin that were sin. And all the more reason I discovered I needed Jesus. The more mature I am, and that's the sign of maturity, is realizing how much more you need Jesus every day. And I think that's, for me, one of the things that's been um, humbling in, in myself of recognizing even my thought life. The thought yeah. life, it's those things that outwardly, yeah, I'm not going out and doing all these horrific things, but the stuff I'm going... I'm thinking about them. Yeah. <laughs> that's harder. It's hard. And it's, that's deeper. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's, that, be, that begs a different question. Is it the thought that's sin or is it what you do with the thought after? Because... What we learn about the brain is we actually can't always control what our brain does immediately, yeah. but what we do afterwards. Uh, we, I had a question from somebody here at Zion who uh, wrestled with that. And he's like, well, if, if every thought is a sin, if a sinful thought is a sin, then Jesus never had a sinful thought. And I'm like, you're kind of missing the point. That doesn't mean like when Jesus got angry, it didn't mean that he didn't have anger. It meant it never moved into sin. It's not the yeah. thought that's sinful. It's what you do with the thought. Well, if you look sinful. at us like biology, if you look at our composition of our brains and like the idea of confirmation bias, like now that you know that you're a sinner, you're going to find it. You're going to see it everywhere. But also um, being able to have these intrusive thoughts, right? Like we see that a lot. It's really pop culture right now, intrusive thoughts, where like you're driving down the road and you're like, oh, I should just drive off. Just go that way. You're like, oh, why did I think that? It's so weird. Or you're holding a glass. You're like, I should just drop that glass. Why? That's such a weird thought. You know, and even though it's very new agey and very like Eastern, um, this idea that you are not your thoughts, that's actually like that's true of our brains, that you aren't beyond your 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 consciousness isn't your personality. Like your ego is not your consciousness. Just so you know. Like <laughs> I, I think, say, sorry, uh, no, you can go. I guess, I guess the only thing on the flip side of that is there are times in my life where I know something's a sin, it pops into my head, and then I want to. Like, <laughs> yes. It's not even like a... Don't eat that it's, cookie. It's I no, shouldn't eat that cookie. It's no longer cookie. a thought then. It's not like it's... It's like, it's, an, it's, 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 it's like an obsessive. Yeah, it's gone yeah, past, that's different. It's gone past mm -hmm. that yeah. initial, like, I can't control it, yep. where now I'm thinking about it on purpose. And it's like... I think I, I won't say what's sin or not sin, but I would say that gets way closer to sin where yeah. it's like, I know that I shouldn't be thinking this way and I'm doing it anyway. I, and a lot of times for me, it's, it's, it's not necessarily lust or anything like that. It's anger. Like mine's yeah. that where like, I'm mad at that person. I just want to be mad and I'm just going to be mad in my mind. And it's like, 
it was just a thought. It's not yeah. like I was actually mean to that person, but it's not a good thought. And yeah. I can control that. And that's that yeah. second part. So somebody does me wrong, my, my chemicals in my brain go. I can't control the chemical reactions in my brain. causes the anger. The sinful part of me is that I then take that anger and I fester on it and then I think yes. really mean things about the person yes. the things I want to do. Now you've taken it now, and you've <laughs> inserted yourself into yeah. that and you've chosen to do things with your wow, thoughts. Wow, we just that. totally rabbit trailed right now. I it was, love it was that, great. Though. It was such a great rabbit trail. Um, so th- we also then looked at scripture and this idea of we have this perpetual cycle that happens. So the, Jesus, Jesus came to deal with that gap. Praise um, the Lord. Yes, pray, absolutely. <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, but what we then look at is this: the need for it is in Scripture. We see the cycle of sin that happens over and over again, and we see it first in God's people. But I think, if we're honest, we see it in each other's lives. Uh, I know I see it in mine, where I love God, yay, God is great, and then I take God for granted, and then I fall into sin. And then bad things happen. I'm like, oh, no, I need God. And then what does God do? He comes. And, and in the Old Testament, he'd send judges or whatever. And we do that over and over again where that cycle of, hey, we're good with God. We forget God. Then we sin against God or people. And then we need God. And what does God do? He rescues and delivers. And that's, I think, part of that chasm, that gap, is before Jesus, the way we had to deal with that gap was that was the sacrificial system. Sure. But we also, we never really closed the gap. Like, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I said this in the sermon or not, but it's one of those things where, uh, when I look back on, especially Old Testament, when I, if I'm reading through it, and judges or judges is a good example, but if I'm it's reading an Old through, Testament book for those of you who are listening. Yeah. So I'm reading through the Old Testament. It reaffirms that idea that I need a savior, like yeah. just yeah. that repet, that repet, that repeated, like repetitive, that they can't get it, they don't understand, they don't, they, they, they never get fully fixed. Let's say and and correct, correct their course, and I'm like, yeah, me neither, and yeah. like it just <laughs> like true. it just like reminds me of like I need a savior, I, I need yeah. Jesus in order to. I know sometimes I get kind of judgy of the people of the Israelites, like. Get your stuff together. And then I was like, oh, that's me. Or yeah. you read in numbers that they're complaining all the time. Oh, what a bunch of losers. I can't can't believe they're complaining. God just delivered them from this. And then what do I do? I go and complain. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and, and you look at it, and it's kind of humorous because when you read the Old Testament, God hates grumbling for a reason. And there's a reason why over and over God's people grumble. I think that's part of our sinful condition that kind of leaks out in us. Like, uh, what's the big deal? Well, that grumbling, that complaining eventually lose, leads, to discon- leads to discontentment, which then leads to sin. Yeah. And it's also a reflective of a reflection of our heart. And our I like gratitude remind, or lack of gratitude, yeah. I like to remind myself, like, the things that I complain about now as married 30-year-old Kate Hopple, Katie Evans at 16 years old I would pray for, Evans, yeah. yeah. Like, she would kick my butt if she knew that I was complaining <laughs> about these things today. It's, uh, and she probably would. And she probably would. She was much meaner than me. <laughs> she was scrappy. What's funny about that judgment, though, I, I think it, it, you can even take it a step further, is that in reality, they can't earn their salvation any more than we can. And like, so we're judging them for not understanding. In reality, right. It, it, right. they're not in any better shape than we are, or vice versa. We, we all depend on, on Jesus the same. Yeah, and yeah. we actually have a benefit they I didn't. Think we, I think we're we have a Holy position. Spirit. Yeah. Like the, yeah. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit does not reside in the Jews, and it's the Holy Spirit that softens our hearts, even allows us to, which is, I think, the even greater irony in there. So here's we are looking at them going, what a bunch of, what a bunch of losers. And the only reason why we can even see it is because the Holy Spirit gives us eyes to see. Right. Yeah. Wow. We can't see it ourselves. Well, I one of the parts that I really enjoyed in the sermon read-through and then uh, in your message was, we all want a Savior, but the way the Savior came was the least desirable way of any Savior. Like, talk about, yeah. and, and I think it was Kate, I think it was you, was like, did you just say, like, people are disappointed in Jesus? Yeah. With, with Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think that was such a profound idea that Jesus actually was a disappointment for what the Israelites were expecting. Yeah. Now, it didn't help that all throughout, you know, history leading up to that, it was always... King David this, King David yeah. that, and the powerful army of King David and his warrior reign king. and his his warrior king and power that he represented. And it was it, probably Israel's one of their highest points in their history is just because of how dominant they were. It's like glory days. Yeah, and so I think they, they wanted a return to that. They wanted it so badly because they kept getting 
defeated by people and the stories and, and the memories none yeah. of us ever want the glory days yeah. that that does that's not a problem for anybody now so they wanted <laughs> they wanted the lion but they got the slaughtered lamb they yeah. got the, the the baby the the human and i use that because to me that would have been the biggest disappointment instead of a god they got a human fleshy person but <laughs> they didn't even but even if jesus had come just as a full-grown adult yeah it, that still would have been like, oh, at least we got a king. David was a king. He came as a baby. Yeah. I know. I think of, I've been thinking about this lately of just the humility of Christ to know that as a baby, everyone loves babies. As a baby, he would be rejected. Well, and there was a there was no, a bounty on crazy. his life as a baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's there's a there's a, a redemp or there's a, a story arc that follows throughout the theme of scripture that whenever God sends an anointed, there's always a threat to their life. Yeah. I mean, we saw it with Moses. We see it with Jesus. The prophets. Uh, yeah, the prophets. You see it with Joseph. I mean, that's that seems to be a theme that within humanity, anytime God wants to do something big in our life, we tend to want to kill it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when you when we talked about this nature, and I know we had this conversation. It might have actually been in another, another podcast, for all I know. But the idea of Jesus giving up his divinity or surrendering his divinity, I think that's that was a big question. I, I, again, we've talked about this many times because it's hard to fathom. What does it mean? And what do you guys think when it says that Jesus in Philippians 2, that he made himself nothing, lower than angels, he, he who could have come and ruled and been fully God with no flesh, just had the appearance of flesh, which that's a whole theology around that as well, that he limited his power. He limited his divinity so he could be fully human and fully God at the same time. What do you guys, what do you think about that? I mean, we've had quite a bit of conversation around it. Uh, clearly, it's one that I continue to not understand as I ask the same question about every quarter. <laughs> but I think it's okay because if I have those questions and wrestle and don't understand how how did God leave being God yet remain being fully God while also limiting himself as fully human? Like that's a that's a heavy question. It is. Yeah. And if I question it, certainly other people wonder as well. The early church did. Yeah. I mean, there was whole councils that were dedicated to this because. There were some. Oh, so one. There was one theology that was going around that Jesus just merely looked like flesh. He didn't actually have flesh. He was a spirit, and he just gave the illusion of flesh because God can't be flesh because flesh is bad. That was that was one uh -huh. theory. The other one is that he. Uh, it's called adoptionism. Is that no? He was fully human, and yet at his baptism, the Father adopted him, and that made him the Son of God. And that was ruled as a heresy as well. But I mean, this is there's a reason why people struggle right. with it. It's yeah. we can't. I don't think we can. Fully I don't, how can we wrap our I'm heads around this? Yeah, I'm not sure we have the mental capacity to fully understand this. This is a, a divine thing. So one of the things, one of the questions I ask myself, and it's, and, and I don't think I don't think I said it. I didn't say it in the sermon, but one of the questions I like to, or it's been a, it's been heavy on my heart at least the last year or two is I reject anything that seems to cheapen the cross. Mm -hmm. It's just a it's a it's a phrase that repeats mm -hmm. in my head sometimes. And if I read anything like a new no, there's not new, but if I read a certain theology or if I read a, a a doctrine or I read about a church doing a certain thing, if it cheapens the cross, it makes me not want to buy in. And so when I when I think about the incarnation of Jesus, the flesh of Jesus, whether he made man, I I I have to believe that he's fully man because yeah. that Without it, it cheapens the cross. If he's if he's fully God and not man at all, to me that cheapens the cross because his death isn't that impressive. If he if he isn't human, then his defeating death and raising and from the dead right? isn't as impactful if he is fully God yeah. the whole time. Now we can't we can't wrap our head around being both fully man and fully God. We don't get it, and and, and we, I don't think we will. But if there isn't that flesh part, if there isn't that humanity part to relate to, to, um, to see God's face in, in human form, I don't know. I think it would be a very hard gospel. It would be a very hard gospel to get behind. I think of, like, Jesus being 100% man, fully flesh, and, you know, we were just talking about how we are not our thoughts. You know, we are beyond our earthly vessels. When we die, we believe that w there is something beyond that, that we are so much more than what we are biologically, right? So how can we not understand that? I mean, like, I know we can't understand that, but 
we can think of that with Jesus as well, that he is so much more than this earthly vessel, that he truly was 100% man like we are here, but he he is not his thoughts. He is not his, what is his brain, his biology is. He's got that divine, and we see that when we're talking about Jesus as a child. Yeah. That he still had fleshly needs. He still had He had to needs. eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had to sleep. He had to go to but the But he was beyond that. He was, he was a precocious child teaching at the temples at 12 years old. Yeah, precocious, not necessarily sinning. No, but no. But precocious nonetheless. I mean, he was a, he was a brilliant, he was yeah, a genius. Beyond his years. Why, yeah. new things that, how do you know that? Yeah. Because of who he is, his identity is divine. Well, and, and so there's a, I'm reading a, well, listen to an audiobook by a guy named Preston Sprinkle. Uh, I love that name. Preston Sprinkle. It's like, can I just be Kate Glitter from now on? <laughs> a theologian from Zion Lutheran? So he does a lot of work uh, talking about LGBTQ <laughs> issues, and he's got a book called Embodiment, which is talking about transgenderism. And there's, a, I promise there's a reason why I'm going to this. Um, one, of the, one of the chapters in his book he actually talks about is that there, there are some people who want to separate the soul from the body. And for Jesus, it says that God is spirit. God chose incarnation to become flesh. But for us, we are not a soul without a body. Mm-hmm. We are embodiment is part of who we are and who we will always be. Now, the only time that we have a temporal state is when we die. There is a theology that scripture supports that our soul, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. Right? But that's not where we stay. We don't say stay a spirit. We were always meant to have a fleshly a body connected to us, which is the new creation. So when the resurrection happens of the dead, we're giving a new body, which now we have Holy Spirit, no sinful thoughts. We have the mind of Christ. We no longer have to deal with the brokenness. We actually, the closest we'll ever get to being like Jesus is after the second resurrection. Yeah. Because at that point, we don't have sin anymore. Yeah. We now will have a fully undiluted mind that is fully focused on God can enjoy life and yet we're still going to have a physical body. I love that you're talking about that like physical body because isn't that like Adam the Hebrew word for it Adam like earth Uh, but also meaning just material like separated the heavens from the earths a material that we humanity is material. So Jesus when Jesus came and maybe this is part of that conversation is when it says he's 100% God and 100% man he chose to lessen his divinity. He surrendered that part of his divinity because as a human being, I cannot come up sure. and touch you and be healed. Right. Yes, Jesus, people would walk like the woman, the woman with the bleeding issue. She, she goes clothes. to touch his clothes, but it's not because of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit in Jesus that did that. And one of the things that we've talked about, and I didn't create this uh, in the discipleship process, is that fire hose, right? If you have a fire hose oh, or an yeah. electric current, if there's something blocking it, that blocks how much power. Well, Jesus, that sin, sin is the block for sure. us. For Jesus, there was no block. So he had 100%. His divinity came out through the authority, but he lessened. He made it so the only way he could demonstrate his divinity was through the Holy Spirit. And do you think that maybe like because of his divine identity, is that maybe could that have to do with why he was aware that the power had left him? Yeah, well, I, I think... You know what I mean? Because well, he yeah, knew he's immediately. He's like, I felt He's that. like, oh, I, when I was at 100%. Now I'm at 99.9%. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like. But, but I think that's that idea of is he lessened. We can't fathom it because we've never understood direct 100% connection with the Father and the Spirit. But Jesus had to be baptized in the Spirit. And even though it was the Spirit who brought the incarnation of Christ and the Virgin Mary, it was the, it was, uh, um, the Immaculate Conception that took place, Jesus surrendered his divine power. That was the human side. But he always had his divine authority and he always had his divine identity. It was the power that Philippians tells us that he surrendered. He never surrendered his identity. He never surrendered his authority. It was always just the power. That's Philippians 2. It is at 4 through 12 or something like that. Um, one of the things that when, we were, when I was in school and we studied the different creeds, we had conversations around, well, could Jesus actually sin? I mean, if he's God, God can't sin. So then how does it say he was tempted? And we had this whole conversation. Well, if he couldn't sin, then he wouldn't be 100% man. But if he could sin, then he could he lose his divinity? And those, I mean, these were the conversations that they were having in the early church where they're like, well, we don't, 
he, that's why, again, some people thought, well, no, he couldn't sin because if he could sin, then he could lose his divinity. Well, then he can't be 100% man. He can't be fully man because that's something we all are. And they ultimately rested on this idea he could be tempted. Tempted does not mean you have to sin. It means you have the ability to sin. To be tempted in itself is not sinful. That's right. And that's, I think that's where, oh, that's where this guy, the conversation I had with this gentleman who goes to our church, he thought all temptation was sin. And I said, no, temptation is something that happens to us. What we do with it is becomes, that's what becomes sin. Um, when, you, when you think about the cross, and, and Derek, I'd love to get back to this. Um, the idea of the cross being simple and yet complex. And, you know, we've talked about this before. There is a, the simplicity of the gospel is actually what makes it so hard. Um, you, had a, you had a comment in there, and that was, the cross helps us relate to God, and, but also it allows us to understand that God relates to us. God did not avoid death. He could have. He chose not to. Um, when you think about the simplicity of the gospel, what would that look like for you? And I'd love to hear, hear that from each of you because I think if we went up to 100 different people and said what the gospel, we'd all say something different. But Okay, so I can't answer that, but you made me think of something <laughs> real quick that I'd like to throw in there is one of the biggest revelations in, not the book, the <laughs> revealed to me in seminary is this idea of, we like to think of the cross as merely Jesus is doing, but in reality, it shows us the nature of the Trinity as a whole. It shows us the, the nature of the Father, it shows us the nature of the Son, and then it shows us the nature of the workings of the Holy Spirit. If so, I, I, I don't know, I just found that was very interesting to me, because I always just like, well, the cross, that Jesus That's died Jesus. on the cross for us. No, it's bigger than that. It's, it's, this, was, this was God's plan. This is that he put into act. And then it's flown, thrown through the Holy Spirit uh, as, as you move forward. And it, I don't know, it's, just, it's really interesting. I think we like to just single things out, but it's really, you can see it all across the, throughout all of God. It shows his complete nature, not just, you know. Say more about that. How is the Holy Spirit in the cross? Where is the Holy Spirit in the cross? Okay, so to me, that then is that the outflowing of it, the, uh, the expression. So with Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, I feel like the Holy Spirit is that, is that outward projection of it. It's that next, uh, I don't know, now it's not really coming out very <laughs> but We'll just edit it out. It's fine. Yeah. No, there's, oh my gosh, I wish I had the, the verse in, in the top of my head, but... Um, I, I hate it when you read in. something you, or you understand uh, something. You're like, yes, yeah, this is so ground. Are you thinking Romans chapter one, where it is the power of God for our salvation? No, I don't. Think I can't that. say it as good as they said it. <laughs> I always do that. <laughs> I was like, here, let me read this verbatim. Now for that I'm you. in my forties, that happens to me way too much. It's also yeah. the afternoon. Like our brains are. Apparently, then I only have about an hour in the yeah. day in which my brain doesn't do that, and it's like. <laughs> Usually while I'm eating. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't have to think it, of anything. It doesn't have to think of anything. Like, I don't stumble over any words just while I'm eating. But I guess, okay, so I'll try again. Yeah, <laughs> come back take, to it. Take two. I mean, for sure the Holy Spirit was in the resurrection, right? Yeah, and but I think it's it's even, so yes, obviously the, the, the Holy Spirit is what. Uh, the power. The power of the Holy Spirit is what rose Jesus from the dead. Or even the, the ability, or even all the things that lined up to Jesus's cross, like, to the Jesus being on the cross had to be, I don't know, had to be figured out by the Holy Spirit or like or arranged. I don't know. Well, what the so word and is we there. have to be. So then uh, that begs in a that brings in a deeper question: Did God orchestrate the cross? And I mean, you have guys like Greg Did God Boyd. God used Judas. Well, so you have guys like Greg Boyd, who Greg Boyd, who uh, is often called an open theist, though I think that's that's too simple of a statement for that theology, where he would say, "No, God just understood." how human nature works and understood from the beginning what would lead to the cross, everything necessary. He didn't create it. He didn't orchestrate it. He knew what would happen. Is it providence, though? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, where it's like we see that in the book of Esther. Well, so, and this is, this is part of the reason why there's so much discussion around this is that you have one thing that, so, for instance, did if God orchestrated Judas to betray Jesus, is that Judas's fault then? So, like, Calvinism would say, yes, that's God. God chose Judas to betray him, and so, but Judas is still held accountable. So that's Calvinism. That's and then I'm also kind of cruel, right? Like, well, it seems oh, poor Judas. You got you yeah. the short shot today. Lord, yeah, please don't it, it let me be cruel, a Judas right? out here. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have other ones like no, the Holy Spirit or Satan, however you want to do it. I mean, these are the things that 
Why would Ultra Russell or Satan? Well, yeah, we isn't that also crazy? betrayed Jesus every day too. Right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. we're no better than Judas. No, well, but, right. right. but I mean, Peter but wanted Peter but denied Jesus. He didn't betray Jesus. He well, denied denial Jesus. Is betraying. It's a I little think. different though, because he didn't. Is hand that him your over. wife? No, no yeah. that's not my wife. Is yeah. that your wife? No, that's but not. That my would wife. be different than like hey, betrayal. let me hand over my wife. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> they are different. There's a little different. There's a <laughs> Still not great. Let me hand over my wife. Oh lord. <laughs> but I, I think part of the reason why sometimes we struggle through this is there is a messiness to it. Yeah. And I don't think that messiness. So when I think about the Holy Spirit and the cross, I think, and I think I talked about this a few weeks ago, um, it was the Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus to sustain the cross. Sure, that makes sense. Like Jesus on the cross, it was the power of the Holy Spirit sustaining Jesus through it so that he could forgive them and say, Father, forgive them. Because the human side of him would be like, no, I can't do this. Even taking him to the cross. Remember, Jesus prays in the garden. If it's it's at all possible, take it away. And yet he's so so stressed out that he's sweating drops of blood, Mm, which is a real disorder. Mm. Um, You have the Father part of the cross. Jesus is even telling the Father, forgive them, which is just from a theological perspective, shows that at that point, Jesus actually did not have the authority to forgive the eternal state because that was the Father's originally. After Jesus ascends, that's when it says, and now the Father has handed him over at the right seat. Now all authority has been given to Jesus. Before that, all the authority went to the Father. Which is, that would have been, if you were judged, you would have been judged by God the Father. But after the resurrection, now all authority is given to Jesus. Jesus, the Lamb who is slain, is now the one who is the judge. Which, here's the beautiful part, is when God, when Jesus declares, Father, forgive them, Jesus is acknowledging, saying, even right now, God, forgive them. You forgive them, eternally forgive them for what they've done in this moment. But then we get to Revelation and it's the lamb who is on the throne. And here's the thing. You want to know why we have a sympathetic high priest, why the king is sympathetic? Mm-hmm. Because he experienced everything we did. The yeah. father did not experience sin firsthand. Jesus did. Jesus did not sin, but he experienced the wrath of sin directly on him. The mm-hmm. father did not. The father watched it happen to his son. So just like if something happens to my child, I'm angry, I'm heartbroken, I have all those things, but that sin did not occur directly at me. I am the secondary part. This is why when Jesus is handed the authority, now he, when he forgives, he forgives as a sympathetic, and I actually think an empathetic high priest. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's where we see all three in there. Because I love that language when you were saying we do see the Trinity in the cross. Sometimes we just think it's Jesus there, but the Father was heartbroken. Yeah, you look like well, you want to yeah. say something. I, so, I have a question too. Well, no, so I was, like, what, I would, what I would add to it is what I was try, trying to get to and feel out is the, the nature of each part of the Trinity through the cross. So like... Be, Jesus was sent to, to earth because God for, God for God so loved the world. Like his love is is shown through the cross. God, like you can see God's overflowing love for humanity of why why this had to happen. And the then, overarching plan. Yeah, and then you see Jesus' sacrificial love of like yeah. that he sacrificed himself to, to do this. And I think the Holy Spirit, if I were to, to kind of view it under similar idea, would be... Uh, it kind of helps us how we interact with others with that same sac- sacrificial truth, that same how uh, we, we don't think of ourselves higher than others. We, we humble ourselves to the level that Jesus did. I think the Holy Spirit works that through us. And yeah. so, I don't know, I guess that's what I was trying to get at. I think what you said also was very true. But, but we were looking at it very differently because I wasn't going from where okay, I was going I have a question. seeing the essence of God. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so did the Holy, so Jesus, man, dies on the cross and the holy spirit is what enables jesus to have the power to perform miracles in the divine right so when jesus dies the moment of death does the holy spirit leave the body because he says father why have you forsaken me and he says father forgive them so obviously god is present and then and then he says why have you forsaken me god is god the father is no longer present well, is that the Holy Spirit leaving, what or what mean, is it? That's actually not what it Okay, means. dig into so, it, then. Because yeah. so that's, uh, that's what we're talking about, is like yeah. the, the, the presence of all of it. Okay. So I was, I was taught wrongly that, and, when, and this was a statement, and there's actually a theologian who taught this, that at the cross when Jesus died, because God cannot look at sin and all of sin rested on Jesus, that the Trinity fractured. That's what I was taught okay. younger. That like Jesus, the Father was no longer part of the Son, and that's why he said, why have you forsaken me? Well, one, Jesus is actually quoting a prophetic utterance from the Psalms. Right. 
Um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he's one fulfilling scripture. But the idea of forsaken does not mean that God is left. It's more of God has turned his face. Yeah. And and think of it this way. Um, your you get in your your son does something wrong. Okay, now Jesus did nothing wrong. Okay, and uh, your child is upset and they're hurt, but you know they need a timeout. You say go to your room. Your child feels forsaken. Have you actually left them? No. And we know that, that God is a constant, that he does not leave. That's right. And so the idea of forsaking is more of God turned his face from the sun. And in that moment, the, cl- the closest, and I'm probably not even doing this justice just because of the nature of right. how long this conversation could take. <laughs> but it's more of in that moment was the first time that Jesus experienced separation from the Father. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean he was separated. He, he felt the experience of it. And even like our language and and. When we use uh, um, the creeds, when it says he descended into hell, we actually have a, a bad theology. He actually did not go to hell. Right. The word hell there was actually mean he was in the ground. Like the, oh, okay. No, that's all it was. That was, okay. it was, it was a euphemism that they understood. It was in the ground. It's not that he went to hell. Now there's one verse, I think it's in first or second Peter, maybe it's Jude. It alludes to this idea of Jesus going and setting captives free, right? But it's one obscure verse. Um, Jesus did not descend into hell. Hell is just another word for he was buried. That's all that means in the creed. Okay. So we've created a theology around it that actually isn't necessarily biblical. This idea that, no, Jesus went and he like went into hell and went on a daring daylight escape to, to rescue all the people that were in hell. No, first of all, hell hasn't happened yet. Hell is coming. Um, well, and- isn't there this idea that hell is really just the separation from God? Well, yes and no. So that's... That, another podcast, another day. I know. Another totally, uh, There's yes. so many different so, views yeah, of hell and heaven. Well, so when we look at the judgment of hell, yes, the judgment of hell, when we see it in the end of Revelation, is this idea of... Um, and Joshua Ryan Butler, if you want to read a great book, it's called The Skeletons in God's Closet. It talks all about hell, holy war. Um, a phenomenal book. Um, yes, the judgment of hell that we see the lake of fire is God giving people exactly what they want, a kingdom without him. Okay. Now we see hell on earth, and that is when in Romans chapter 1, when it says that we are given over to the wrath of God. I believe, and I think scripture affirms this, God's wrath is not, I'm going to punish you. God's wrath is, I'm going to give you what you want. Gosh, isn't that... I know. It's that's worse. That's right. It's wor- right? It would, yeah. it would be so many. Think I'd about rather it. Rather have burning Could fire. you imagine for a moment, and my child, my children have only said it maybe once or twice. I hate you. Yeah. That's what you want. Like that would be so... If I gave my children, I never want to see you again. Yeah, okay. And then I left like that. I can't fathom that. Yeah. Right. And that's so. That's what hell is. Now we have the feelings of hell or the metaphor of hell, so to speak. But, but this idea of Jesus, there was still the Trinity still took place. He cannot cease being God. He did not cease being God on the cross, but there was a separation. He experienced that separation from the Father, from the Spirit. But it was not because they ceased being together. Because if we truly believe in a triune God, that they are not separate entities. They'd be tri- that's tritheism. That would be like, yeah, like idolatry almost, where it's like, well, there was an I mean? er, there was an early group of Christians who believed there were three separate gods. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they made up a holy council of gods. There's a, a quite frankly, there's a cult that believes that. Mm-hmm. No, we believe... One God, uh, distinct persons, one substance. Can we fully fathom it? No. And if we could, he'd cease being God. Anything you want to end? Would you change anything on that? No. Uh, the, only thing <laughs> I, no the only thing that I that popped into my head while you were saying that is it doesn't change. So like, let's say the if, if this is new to you, what Jason was saying about hell just being the ground. In the, in the creed. In the creed. It doesn't change. It doesn't change what happened on the cross and his death. To me, it's still victory over death because death is one of those things. It's a consequence of sin. It's the result of sin. And at that time, there would have been no different. There, there had been nothing more sure than death. Like mm-hmm. everyone died. Everyone, everyone. It's like death and taxes. To, yeah, like it even was, in Roman time. <laughs> and so, even for them, like it would have been weird somebody coming back from the dead. And so, like, I don't think. That was the only thing that popped into my head. If people yeah. were freaking out at home, like, "What did Jason just say?" No, it doesn't. It doesn't actually change anything because no. it's still his 
it's it's still his uh well i think i said it in the in the sermon that Christus victor it's still his victory over death and sin and death sin and which death. the reason why he, people ask why did jesus have to die why couldn't there be a different mode of dealing with our salvation in order to show ultimate victory he has to show ultimate victory over the most powerful thing in the human world which is sin and death because yeah you had all the other gods. You had the gods of Rome, the gods of Egypt, and even those gods could die. That's I mean, that's a crazy thought. The gods of the gods of the ancient world could die. God cannot die, and here he has to show that he has ultimate power over the most powerful things in the universe, which are sin and death. So Jesus conquers those. He shows ultimate victory. That's the heavy God. When we two weeks ago we talked, three weeks ago, I preached on the heavy God. He shows, no, I even get glory over sin and death. So if Jesus did not die, he would still have one thing that was bigger than was him. Greater, yeah. Than greater. Even death is not greater than him. Even the sin that took him to the cross. Mm-hmm. Bless you. <laughs> that was the funniest thing ever. I tried to keep it. Yeah, in. you should have just let it go. <laughs> I was going to say a joke, but you just ruined it. <laughs> all right, so. That, first of all. You should say that with more compassion. <laughs> uh I got to tell you, I'm, I'm excited for next week to hear what you have uh, for the final part of this series. Um, any I last back to the dock. Yeah, well, then yeah. We're, we're, we're back to the dock in two weeks, September 12th. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, we got the launch party, which we're super excited about. <gasps> so exciting. And we're inviting, invite people. We're giving away a smoker. That's going to be awesome. And I don't tell your like, neighborhood. I don't mean somebody who smokes. <laughs> we're giving away a smoker, like we're a barbecue a... smoker. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to find somebody no. who smokes and give them away. No, I've got, I've got pictures in my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I I would love to finish out like what you were saying about like what is the gospel to us. Oh, like, so you want to go back? Sim- you yeah, yeah. Well, because okay. you said that, and Derek was like, "I'm not going to answer that. I I'm going to think this." And I was like, "Man, one of my favorite things that I've ever done or been a part of is that like that simple gospel sharing. We did it." Um, when we went to the the high school mission trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we'd kind of gone door to door offering these hamburgers to this community in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, you know, this pretty intense poverty that is all around and it's scary areas. And you go and knock on these doors and you give them this like simple gospel. Do you want a burger? Can I pray with you? And I'd like to hear that from like, what what does that mean to you? You know? That, can you do it quickly? Like, what is your quick gospel? Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we talked about, we did talk about last week. I don't do anything quick, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's the truth of it. But I would say my real quick, and I, I, and I, and I repeated it several times throughout this sermon, is yeah. to me, it's, it's, it's God's redemption art. That's what the cross yeah. is. It's, it's him. It's his redemption story of us being sinful, pulling away, and us reuniting back with him and that's what the next week's new creation is going to come out of or form from and so now the gospel is a little bit different but that's my view of the cross straight and simple would be that it's that yeah how about you Jennifer? i don't have anything to add to that i think that was great so i would i would actually say the gospel there's obviously multifaceted it's like looking into a prism there's a lot of different views but i think the one that's usually overlooked Yes, we get that because of the gospel, we are saved from sin and brought into relationship with the Father and now can go to heaven. But I think the part of the gospel we miss is the word gospel comes from the word good news. And the good news is not just that we're saved from sin and death, but we're saved for something now. Yeah. And that there is a king and our king is Jesus. And he's not just a future king. He's a present king that can change the world around us, that can change my life here and now that can change my community, that can change the lives around us. Because if the only time the gospel is, and this isn't what you were saying, but this is what I believe for years, I just saw the gospel as something that saved me from something. Yeah. That it just was, it was my get out of hell card. And now I got to go to heaven. And now I was just waiting until I got there. Yeah. That's not good news. Yeah. That's just, that's good information. Like, okay, great. I'm not going to hell. How does See that, you later. <laughs> how does that help me right now? And the good news is actually good now. It actually has an impact and it means that this king who we love and serve wants to come and rearrange the world today. I love that like holistic approach of, or a whole approach is what I mean by that, not like home therapy. But I mean of a past sinful nature of us, a present 
way to live and be in a future hope that we can hold on to of this new creation. Like, I love it when we talk about, like, yes, the cross was important, but the resurrection, too, and that the second coming that we get to have, like, that whole idea. Yeah. Well, and if, if go ahead, Jennifer. I was just going to say, this isn't what the gospel is, but I just was thinking about how good it is and how refreshing to the soul to hear good news. Yeah. Like, even earthly good news, it's like, oh. Yeah. And the gospel's that over and over and over and over again in our lives. And so. Yeah. And if it doesn't appear as good news, it means we're probably not telling it right. Yeah. I mean, when you read uh, yeah. through the book of Acts, think about this. Through the book of Acts, not once to, does it end with, oh, and if you believe you get to go to heaven. That's not found anywhere in the book of Acts. It's all about this king, Jesus, who can change their life now. There's an impact now. And yet that's somewhere along the way in American Christianity. I don't know about British Christianity. I don't know about <laughs> South American. I don't want American Christianity. Somewhere along the way, it became the gospel was just about saving us from something so we could sing songs like, I'll fly away and let's get out of here. And But when we read the gospels, when we read, I mean, look at what Jesus come. Jesus didn't come and said, hey, don't worry about your leprosy. If you believe me, you're going to heaven. <laughs> like the good news is he offered healing. And so there's healing now. And I think we've lost that. And I'm, I'm, again, I know I, I really appreciate the work of N.T. Wright. Um, he's an a, a English or British scholar. His stuff on the gospel is really mm-hmm. kind of renovated. And I really mean it's renovated my understanding of the gospel because the foundations are still there. I still get the whole salvation through Christ and salvation from sin and death and heaven. But I didn't realize how anemic my gospel was because I just for years, for years, I thought the goal of it was to one, just make me a better person, and then I'd go to heaven. <laughs> and in reality, it wasn't even the cross that saved me. It still ultimately became me, Jesus, plus sure. something else I did. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, any last thoughts before we close up? Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. Bob Goff, we love you. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Mr. Goff, in case you missed this. Um, hey, another point, just something that's coming up, and I'll, we'll end with this here. Um, Zion's coming up. It's on its 150th year wow, of ministry. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Like, I can't fathom that. That's a long time. Uh, when Zion was around, when Abraham Lincoln was around, I think. Is that right? Really? No, it was like... I don't math like, real well. Like six years after the Civil War? Think about that. Wow. I hadn't... I did not have that awareness. Isn't that a weird mind. thought? hundred. Well, I just saw a thing that said uh, the gap between 1939 and 1980 is the exact age I am now. And I'm like, oh, that makes me feel super old. Because I was five in 1980. I remember that. Like, <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so this has been great. I can't wait to hear the next, the last part of this. And, and here's the part. And anybody who's ever preached gets this. Our job is to preach the gospel faithfully. It's the work of the gospel that does it. It's the Holy Spirit Amen. moving in us. And, and, uh, but the, here's the other part. Derek, I appreciate your listening to the Holy Spirit yeah. and being yeah. aware of what God is doing. And, and your faithfulness in researching and, and letting and God speak study. to you. and. Watching YouTube videos yeah. and thinking, actually, this is probably for me and doing that hard work. Yeah. <laughs> and and just for those of you again who are listening, it's been a hard week at Zion. We've had a lot yeah. of a lot of deaths in our community. Yeah. And just suffering, not even just yeah. death, just suffering as well. Yeah. And so this was a very timely message. And my hope is, is that for those who are either listening to this or heard the sermon or will hear it later, um, that they hear that there is hope and that we have a God Good who doesn't news. separate himself from our suffering, but entered into it. Well, hey, thank you for tuning in to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. And Kate. Derek. Jennifer. Hope you have an awesome day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.